Kia ora, everyone, uh, and welcome to the Stromcast Down Under. I am here with Liam and uh, myself. We are here to just introduce everyone to the Liam to the Strom world. Um, so maybe I'll just pass over to you, Liam, and maybe get a bit of a background on you, um, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, no worries. Uh, kia ora, everyone. My name's uh, Liam Issam, uh, recently uh, retired professional rugby player. Um, so it's been 22 years uh, I've been playing professional rugby for uh, obviously the All Blacks, Māori All Blacks, uh, the Chiefs uh, and Waikato. So based here in uh, Kirikiriro, here in Hamilton. Um, and yeah, just doing a bit of boxing on the side at the moment just to keep uh, fit and healthy. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so yeah, pleasure again, like we, we talked offline, but it's uh, a pleasure to have you on here. Also awesome to have you part of the Strom team. But maybe what we'll get started with is kind of just a, a background on grassroots for you, uh, what kind of got you into the sport of rugby. And I know a lot of your history. I grew up watching you watching you play. Um, I know, you know, you played for sevens and all that, but kind of what got you into into rugby and, and into where you, know, you are today, 22 years career is a long career, but a good career as well. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely long career. I'm very grateful for the, the values and lessons I learned when I was a young fella. But uh, what got me into rugby, I was actually playing uh, football and uh, cricket growing up. I mean, my little brother used to play a lot of uh, a lot of sports outdoors. We weren't really loud inside, so we made the most of it uh, out, outside and we just played sports. And that was my sort of two first passions. Um, and then my mate, when was it? About 12 years old, 11 years old. Uh, Brought me to his club rugby training in the, um, about to say Hamilton Marist, did not say that, uh, at uh, Marist St. Michael's down in uh, Rotorua. Um, so he took me along there and did the rest of his history really and just got into rugby. Went to Rotorua Boys High, which is a big rugby school um, and just had opportunities uh, with scouts and whatnot watching me and uh, Titch, I was lucky enough that I caught Titch's eye when I was, uh, caught him Titch's eye when I was 16, 15, 7, so um, yeah, from there, that's where it sort of kicked off. Was that kind of your first transition into like the professional world was through sevens and um, was it always your goal to get into sevens or were you like, nah, 15 aside is my, my thing and I, I want to be there or how was that for you? Nah, to be honest, I, I just wanted to play rugby. Um, I was, um, I'm not sure what the young fellas do these days, but back then I was playing uh, for my high school, um, playing senior rugby, um, playing rugby league on Sunday. So I was just playing, you know, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday as much as I could and um, I was probably a little bit bigger than I was than I am now, actually, um, when I was a school kid. So you know, um, yes, I was just—I was a big boy. I said I uh, used to have a pie, pie and coke for breakfast every day. Two bucks at the at the dairy. <laughs> we all did. We all did. That was the that was the after game snack as well. You go have a big pie and then that was that was pretty much my diet. So um, yeah, I just got from there and just um, just some club teams um, took me along to to some sevens tournaments and. Ended up playing sevens and, you know, I didn't want to be a sevens or fifteens player. I just was playing rugby and just enjoying it and loving it. So, yeah, just got the, obviously caught the eye of the right people. Yeah. What, for you, like in, in sevens, like, I, I know some of your, your highlights, obviously, you Commonwealth gold and um, won some big achievements. Like, what was the highlight for you in that sevens career? Was it, was it that moment or was there putting on the jersey for New Zealand? Like, what was that moment? <laughs> Oh yeah, I reckon the like I've yeah I've been lucky enough to go to a couple of Commonwealth Games and Olympic Games with the Sevens, but I think probably my first ever Wellington Sevens when it was at its prime, 
um, 2003. That was that's pretty special. We get to go down there for for the weekend. Um, I was like 18 years old at the time. I was just like, what the hell is this? So that was pretty cool. It's a shame it's not. Um, I remember those days when it was it was huge. The, the Wellington Sevens is massive. And, um, I, I feel like there's been a bit of a a shift in rugby over the years, and maybe we can get into that a bit later. But like this. I guess this this Sunday has kind of reignited a lot of people uh, with passion for rugby. But um, oh, that's that's cool, man. It's uh, probably not what I I guess I expected. Like I I think for, for me it would be like oh you know the first time you put the jet or that gold. Um, what what did that mean to you though when you won that gold medal in in the first Commonwealth that you guys did? Uh, it was the first time actually that that year. Um, so long ago now, I can't remember what year it was, but. Uh, this the first time Titch went away from picking um, super rugby players and all black players. Um, so there's, there's a little bit of pressure on us. We, we were, our team was quite young. Our squad was real young. Um, and we come up against Australia in the semi-finals, and they had all Wallabies and super rugby players. They had legends playing for them, and uh, we ended up tipping them over. Um, and that sort of just gave us the confidence for the final and to win it. So to win it as sort of like underdogs or people not really – thinking we could get that far off the team that we had was was pretty special. That's, that's cool, man. It's, a, it's cool. Like you, I, I think what's interesting is obviously your career has been so long. You went overseas as well, past All Blacks, and you've, you've done a lot. But hearing, I guess, your foundation, what you will say is sevens and then transition, I believe it was 2008 was the first time you put on a All Black jersey, is that, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, so I debuted debuted for the All Blacks and, and as you said about the, the New Zealand Sevens that foundation what what I'm really grateful for for New Zealand Sevens was the um, the value of hard work what hard work really meant and, and what it was and I learned it I was lucky enough to learn it. maybe not lucky enough but I was you know influenced um, when I was 16, 17 to see what hard work and work ethic really was um, in that environment so that just really gave me a great foundation for, for my career Do you because uh, we're, we're both Māori and um you know, it's it's part of our, our culture, I guess. But do you feel like the the heritage and, and your your bloodline and everything has kind of influenced you to be that way and and how you how you behave through your career and, and rugby sevens and then into the All Blacks and would that would that be a driver as to why you are who you are? Yeah, oh, one hundred percent. It's a big driver of who I am, but it's um it goes a bit deeper and a bit um thing for me because I was actually adopted when I was a child. So um, mum and dad um, adopted five of us, got, had three of their own. So we've got a big family of eight. Mum and dad are European uh, descent, so they got Pākehā blood in them. And when you see our family, you're just like, I remember um, introducing uh, my brothers to Eric Rush um, at the Wellington Sevens that same year, actually. And he sort of like looked at us sideways and just like, because my brothers are white and he couldn't click it. So they're just like, what the hell's going on here? Is this a practical joke or something? So, uh, but they definitely, you know, their upbringing and the family values that they brought in, into us is definitely the person I am today because of them. Yeah, I think I think you can see, like, especially uh, coming from a, you know, their side, like adopting is a big deal and taking in, you know, five and that that side is um is huge. So you you can see the value and like what that means in love. Yeah, well, it taught me, um, you know, a sense of belonging. Yeah, you know, and, and and like, oh, like I guess that's what I sort of one of my strengths as a leader is is bringing people together and having that sense of belonging, being part of a, a team or a family. And again, I got to learn that when I was a baby because I'm not their blood. You know, I got no, you know, physical thing attraction or whatnot it is. But 
um, for some some reason, some way, mum and dad just knew how to make us all feel like we're, you know, we're a missing and we're part of the family and you have that sense of belonging and, yeah, it just turns you into the person that, that you are now. That, that's awesome, man. That's good to hear. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, family's very close to me as well. Yeah, my mum's back here as well, but my old man's older, obviously. Um, so sometimes they, there's some a little eyebrows when they see her. She's like five foot and, and white, and you're like, uh, <laughs> um, but no, I, I get that completely, man. But when we, when you look through, um, I know like in, uh, you know, your career, one of the big things you wanted to do was play for Wakado and play for um, the Chiefs and all that. When you finally kind of transitioned sort of out of sevens and started getting into 15s, how did that process work for you? Like, was it, were you called upon with they reach for you or did you, have, you know, trial aisles and, and have to get into that team yourself? Like, how did that work? Yeah, well, um, actually, uh, Eric Rush and Gordon Titchens at the time, I think it was like 2004 or five, 2004 maybe, um, I had been told that I had to go play 15s for New, New Zealand under-21s or something. And that meant I, I missed the end of the rest of the World Series and I didn't want to go. I was like, I just I just love sevens and I thought I was a sevens player and just wanted to be in that environment. But for Rushi and Gordon Titchens, their whole thing is that they wanted to make All Blacks. You know, that was their their role, I guess. Um, so, yeah, they sort of voluntold me to go play um, play at 15s. Um, and, and that's how I sort of got back into 15s. And I was always playing in between 7s and 15s with NPC for Waikato and whatnot. But that was the time and moment where I had to sort of say, okay, um, time for me to knuckle, knuckle down and get serious about 15s and still have 7s in the background. I could still go back and play tournaments if I want to. But that moment I actually, you know, had to bite down and, and you know, build myself as a 15s player. And through, like... <sighs> NPC, I, I kind of like reflecting on like accomplishments when I do these chats with people and talk through, like I talk through many different people. And what would you say your biggest accomplishment in NPC was? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. I think uh, if I'm honest, the biggest um, achievement, and this is probably for my whole rugby career actually, is the, uh, the positive influence that I've had on the groups that I've been in. Um, it's cool to win championships and run for the Shield and um, play 100 games for Waikato or whatever it is for the Chiefs. Um, but I think just having that real positive impact that I've had on, on the teams that I've been in and, and within our community, I'm really proud to come from from this area. Um, so I think that's probably my biggest accomplishment in, in my sporting. I think that's a, a very humble accomplishment, but it's a, it's a truthful one as well. Like, um, so a lot of times people are quick to say, oh, it was the gold medal, it was the, the World Cup, and you've you've done a lot. Like, you look at your track record, you can say, oh, yeah, no, he's been involved in a lot. But to, for you to say that, it's uh, a testament of your character, which is um, good to see. How was um, captaining, though? How was that for you? Because you, you, you come across as a leader to me, naturally. Uh, was that an easy transition for you to move into like, a captain role or...? Oh, it, was, it was a bit of a journey. Um, obviously, in high school, um, I was, you know, done a lot of captaining and, and being a leader at high school. I was a school prefect. Um, don't know how, but I, I was a school prefect. <laughs> they gave me a school prefect badge, and I was like... I was the same, and I was like, oh, I was the worst student. I don't know how I got this, but I'm here. <laughs> I'll take it. They all take it. Prefect. Um, and then, again, the New Zealand Sevens scene, like... Um, 
I was 20 years old and um, Titch asked me to captain the, the All Black Sevens and I was just like, you know, a bit stunned because there's legends on the team that I had to, to be, you know, their captain or their, their leader. And um, yeah, so it was a real journey. Uh, again, I'm, I'm really lucky that I got to experience it at a real young age and have really good leaders around me. So you pretty much, you know, you just learn from them and they role model to you how to be a leader and um, you just find your way um, as the career goes on or as the years go on, you find your way and what you're good at. And um, what really helped me in 2012, uh, the Chiefs had co-captains for the first time. Um, so we had myself and Craig Clark and me and Craig Clark are, are total opposites. But when we captain together, it's just for some reason that it really, really worked. And his um, his strengths were, were my weaknesses and, you know, my strengths were his weaknesses. So it just really tied in. And I learned a lot um, about, about my leadership style through Craig. Um, and being in that sort of role, but it's uh, yeah it definitely helped. And again, I sort of I took that responsibility pretty early on in my career, and 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 just you know you know this is this is my role, so just get comfortable in it. It is what it is. So you, because I I remember although it's eleven years ago, I do remember that season. I um, mean, you had a winning season those years where you were kind of co-captaining. Do you feel like that was a, a big impact as to why there was maybe a shift in like how the team performed together and how uh, was the ability to kind of lean on each other and have that, you know, dynamic of there's a di point of difference between the two of us and we're able to cover, kind of, I guess, all areas as being captains? Do you feel like that helped a lot? Or? Yeah, 100% that helped a lot. Um, but I think we're also really blessed that year, those those couple of years anyway, we've done really well is that we had myself and Craig as captains, but... Our leadership group around us, there's six or seven of the boys that um the, the leaders as well that you know could have been captains in their own right, but having that group of guys to to lead the to what we had and have Dave Rennie, Wayne Smith, guys like that to to lead the ship, uh, just made our jobs a lot easier. And, and all we really had to do was try and get everyone to buy in, which was pretty easy, and then just perform on the field, um because again a lot of people will follow the way that you you act instead of what you say, so. No, that makes sense, man. That, that makes complete sense. Um, I, I think I, I'm interested to hear this part. When you were in the All Blacks there, there was a time where, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you led the Haka um, at one point in time. How was that moment for you? And that, and that uh, being involved in those, you know, international games. And, and Yeah, well, the first time they actually asked, I was, I was pretty shocked because, again, like, I'm a bit old school, you know, I'm a bit old school. I'm like, nah, I'm not, I'm the youngest here. Like there's way more older guys in this team with way more mana than I have. Like they should, even though they're not moldy, they should, you know, have the right. You had, you had Wipu back then as well. I know he had a lot of. Yeah. And I was just like, these guys like this. And then I just put it down to, and then in, um, I think Kevin Mialamu or something jokingly said, nah, you're the ugliest. So you got to do it. <laughs> so, you know, he's like, again, you're getting voluntold to do it. Um, but it's the nervous I've ever been. So I've done, you know, haka all my life pretty much, growing up in Rotorua and schools and kapa haka and whatnot. But that whole week, for some reason, I was nervous as hell and didn't even, can't even remember probably the game or the um the anthem that the, the day, the first time I led the haka because I was, I was that nervous. I was shitting myself. But got through it <laughs> without stuffing it up. So, Do you ever sit back and watch those days? Like you like replay games and watch how you were or is that something that... Nah... I think I'm going to have to though, eh? And just to put my kids into their place, you know, I was like, boys, dad was the man. Dad was the man. 
How old are your kids now? Uh, the 13 and 8. So, like, obviously, with the Rugby World Cup going on at the moment, like, it's a, you know, big thing here in New Zealand, and, like, everyone talking about it, and my kids come home and talk about the rugby, and my oldest sort of understands, like, he knew that dad played, but my youngest didn't really get to see me in my, in my heyday. A lot of people don't really get to see me, you know? We didn't have social media back then, and, and I'm trying to tell my son, I'm like, bro, I used to be fast as. It's because I continue to play, and I look all old and slow now. But I was like, bro, 20 years ago, I'll smoke you. <laughs> yeah, but you make it up with experience and skill these days. Though. <laughs> um, no, that's, yeah, the reason why I ask is some, some people don't like uh, reviewing tape and, and seeing, you know, them on screen. It's like a bit weird. Like, ah, I don't really watch that, but it's good to hear that you kind of want to show your kids <laughs> for those reasons. Um, when you come up to, like, the tail end of, well, I guess your New Zealand international career and you, you did the World Cup in 2015. Um, was that kind of the, was that a, a good, not a send-off moment, but was that a moment for you going, yeah, I've, I've ticked most of my boxes in, in New Zealand of what I can achieve? Or did you look at it that way? Or um, Oh, yes and no. Like I, I sort of saw 2015 as uh I guess a, a great way to finish uh, the, my All Black career, um, but it was the future. I guess I, that I was looking forward to. Like um, people like to say, they go overseas for the culture and whatnot, which is true. But at the end of the day, you, you know, you're trying to financially look after yourself and and your family. So I had a great opportunity to do that for after the Rugby World Cup. I'm not sure if I would have had that opportunity again if I stayed in New Zealand to try and keep that All Black dream alive and. Yeah, I'm not sure if I could continue another Rugby World Cup cycle, but um, yeah, I obviously made the decision to, to go over, overseas and um, look after myself and family financially. So, Yeah, what well, was competitive, right? Because you know, I've watched interviews of you and how you've, you've um, obviously you've had gaps where you weren't playing as an All Black and then fought your way back to becoming an All Black. Um, it's kind of good to hear that you're like, sometimes you acknowledge that, look, it's, it's it's tough to get back there, so can I can I do that for another four years, like and do another World Cup, and um, maybe we'll we'll touch on that time, like because when you first became an All Black, when was the like the next time you picked up the jersey in between, and like what did you set upon yourself to get back there? Yeah, so two thousand eight was my debut, um, and then I played in two thousand and nine again, but I played against the French, and I was absolutely trash, like I probably the worst game I've ever played in my life, um, an all-black jersey or probably in any jersey. Um, and I remember that, that clearly that game because for some reason I just got thrown under the bus, probably, you know, because of the, the way I played. But it just been all over the media. Messam's fault, Messam done this, this and that. And the coaches just ripped me a new one. Um, and, you know, that 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 memory, that scar really um, is real deep for me. And... Um, I didn't play again after that game till the end of year two, I think it was, so maybe a whole year. Um, but between 2008 and 2011-12, I played five or six games um, for the All Blacks. Um, and it wasn't from 2012 to 2015 where I notched up like 40 games in a row or something. So um, there's a big difference in, in mindset mindset um, in those two sort of different blocks of, of my All Black career. Was it a mindset on like purpose, or like did you did that change like your drive behind it, or what was that mindset shift? 
uh, the mindset uh, mindset shift was was more uh, there was a, a few things like one was understanding the game a bit better, understanding my role as a blindside, um, and also the mindset of like when I first was, was in All Black in the first years, I was so scared of making mistakes. Um, I was like on eggshells. I didn't want to, you know, trust my skill, trust my ability, have a go, just because I was so scared of, of doing the wrong thing and, and getting told off or you know just not getting picked again. Um, and then 2012, literally, I was playing the best rugby probably of my career and I missed out on the national All Black squad um, and they had three or four injuries in the loose forwards and I was the I was the last one left in New Zealand at the time um, against the Irish actually out here in Hamilton um, and they called me back in and my whole mindset when I went in there was just like, man, there's no pressure on me, just stuff it, just go, go hard, swing for the fences and if you swing out, you swing out. If not, make the most of it, so... That's what happened, and, and I played pretty good, and um, yeah, ended up playing another thirty odd tests in a row after that. It's crazy, man. But, yeah, it's crazy to see like things maturity and like time. Sometimes time and those like not dark moments, but moments where you go, ah, oh, there's doubt. It can either make or break you. You've got one or one way to go, and either left or right. Um, actually, the only kind of jersey we didn't really talk about, which probably I would say might mean the most to you, would be the Maori All Blacks. Um, how was playing in that team? Because it's uh, there's a lot of pride coming into uh, I guess the the Maori All Blacks and yeah, nah, that 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 jersey in that team is is so special. It's um, it's weird because rugby's the last thing on the list in that team. You know, it's all about culture and who we are and tikanga and learning all the Maori ways. And because a lot of the players in that team never get to experience that sort of lifestyle or, or have that upbringing, um, so. The first thing is it's easy to connect because we've all got the same blood, you know, our whole our DNA runs to each other. So that gels us straight away. Um, and the, the coaching staff and management staff do a really good job in doing that. Um, and, you, yeah, you're just, you know, you're just learning waiata, you're eating boil-up, eating bloody everything you could think of. That That's not good for a high-professional uh, performance athlete, but fry bread, steam pudding, but, you know, it hits the soul. And so when we get out there on the game on Saturday, like, you know, we're just playing this style of rugby that people call it the Māori flair, but it's, it's just us going out there having fun and expressing ourselves. And, um, you know, people forget that we come from a line of warriors too, so we love the hard battle, um, physical stuff as well. So, um, yeah, that, that team is so awesome. Just You just go in there and you, just, you can just relax and, um, and not, you know, not have the stresses of, of being in a – hardcore super rugby campaign or an all black campaign so it's just a, a really great way for for us um as Māori to connect and express ourselves on the football field yeah i i see what yeah i, I get what you mean as well like as um you know me being up in auckland my marae is down in Tauhe um in, by morrisville so you know whenever i travel down there it's it's different right you, you step up the, the land and you can feel like you can feel it and you go, it's, uh, and uh, I think, um, I guess my question for you would be, do you, do you feel like times that you wish some of that culture that you felt felt in the Māori All Blacks was spread more throughout New Zealand and more people could see like what it means to be Māori in New Zealand and how we treat our culture? Like, do you feel like it sometimes gets a bit lost? Um, it's, it's hard to say because I can only really speak about the environments that I've been in. Um, and the environments that I've been in, the one and they've been really strong is that we've connected to the land and to our people. You know, we have those Māori values. And even here at the Chiefs, while we've been so strong, is is that 
that's one thing that we really connect to, you know, our people, our land, where we come from, taking pride in that. Um, and same with the All Blacks. The All Blacks are the, exactly the same now. You know, there's a big Māori influence uh, within that group. So um, it definitely is, is a great way to, to be in an environment. So for me, it's, it's, it's an awesome thing to have, but it's also the pretty much the only thing that I sort of know and, um, yeah, and seeing and being pretty successful in, in those environments. Yeah, I think, I think us up in where we, we are, we kind of get, it gets lost a little bit, uh, which is unfortunate, but if you're passionate behind it, you'll, you'll make it come through, right? Um, now, when you, you wrap up your kind of career and you, you head overseas, and obviously I know you, you travelled back because of COVID, COVID and all that stuff had happened and, and the world kind of stopped. Uh, how was it coming back to New Zealand? Like, how was that for you, like shifting back and going, oh, I've been overseas for a bit, now, now I'm back. How was that for you? Yeah, it was a bit of a, um, a slow start, I think, when I first got back. It was, uh, you know, obviously I was locked, locked away in lockdown over there in France. But uh, when I got back, it, was, yeah, it took a while to get, get used to the New Zealand life again, I think. But uh, no, it was great to, to great to get back and it was a great way to sort of wind down my career here in Waikato, like playing the last three or four years. Um, but, you know, home is home. Like you said, when you come down back to your marae, you just feel it. So, you know, it's always good to, to come home. And I've been lucky enough um, the last couple of years to travel around the motu with my beautiful fiancé to really have a look at um, what New Zealand has to offer. And, man, we are so lucky to live in a country that we live in. Like, yeah, we have our problems and, you know, we're probably not in the best spot right now, but just land-wise and, you know, the views and, man, it's just like we just got back from um, Lake Tikapo and uh, Mount Cook. And the whole way I was driving, I was just like, what the hell? Like, you know, just couldn't believe it. It's so, crazy. Right? Yeah. That's crazy. My, my, my partner, um, her family lives down in Palmerston North. So we, we drive down and it's like an eight hour drive and you see everything. You know, like, man, this is in our backyard, but we don't, you don't explore it. You're like, ah, I don't go out and go to the mountains and, and see the, the forest trails and things like this, but it's literally right there. I don't think. Well, I think we take it for advantage. I don't think anywhere else you kind of step out and, and can go in your backyard and go, yeah, cool, there's a there's a trail that I can go to. And uh, there's history behind this trail as well. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that's cool, man. That's, um, so now maybe we take it to, 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 the, to today. Uh, you're sort of doing what I grew up doing, which uh, I, I did uh, martial arts for 13, 14 years. Um, long time, loved, loved doing it. What, what got you into uh, boxing? I know you did a few charity uh, events. So one of them was, uh, I thought there was a lot of a lot of meaning behind uh, one, which you did a few years ago. Um, but what got you to lace up the gloves and, and kind of have this second, second life, I guess? <laughs> second life? Uh, it's probably not a good second life to have. Really. But um, no, to be, in all honesty, it was my old man that got me into boxing. So I remember um, sitting down, Extra dad um, watching Friday night fights on uh, what's it? ESPN? I don't even know if it was ESPN back then, but might have been Channel One back at back in the night time. Yeah, so I, I used to sit down just as a young fellow and watch the boxing with dad watching Friday night um, fights, and I always used to love that night because we used to have um, lolly lolly night as well. So we got like uh, two little lollies at the same time. Not like now, kids can just go to the shop and get what they want, but. Um, yeah, so we had a lolly night and we got to sit down and watch boxing with Dad. And that's where my passion for boxing came from. Um, and well, I think I was about 12 and I went to my first boxing gym. 
and done my first sparring, got my nose just went splatter. And I loved it. And I was like, that's weird that I loved actually getting punched in the face and um, done a little bit of training when I was a kid. Obviously done a lot of boxing training as a rugby player, just, you know, just to change up my training and stay fit and whatnot. Um, and then the opportunity came to um, yeah, have a fight on the first fight for life when they came back. Um, and I just jumped at it. And I look back at that fight and I'm just like, what the hell is that? That's terrible. It's a straight brawling, straight street strapping. I'm just like, oh, I'm so embarrassed by it. I'm just looking at it now and just going, oh. I will say you, you've, you've improved a lot. I will. <laughs> um, that, that, that's cool. Was there any, uh, was there any kind of boxer that you looked up to that you're like, man, I like watching his fights or. Yeah. I had to be David Tua, bro. Like growing up watching David Tua. I remember watching him fight Lennox Lewis and watched all his fights, bro. And you know, Samoan Kiwi boy, you're just like. He's an interesting one. He, his, uh, his boys actually went to my college. So we're a, within the same years. Um, and he would pull up, and he, he was he was I think this is when he was fighting Shane. He came that had his comeback, so he was big, and he would pull up in a little mini, and you you know you'd like look at him and like what the hell is this guy? <laughs> and it hop that it was an old school mini as well. This is one of these new, and you're like, oh, it's it's two, and he's this hundred forty kilo man just popping out of this bloody um, mini. But no, yeah, I, I said I, I was a big um, Tyson fan and. Uh, tour and then as I got older, I actually enjoyed like rewatching Mayweather and like the skill and seeing you know what you know, and you learn to appreciate it when you go, geez, that's that's insane how this this person can do it. Um, is there anyone today that you look you watch like study tape from or try and learn from? And yeah, bro, like well, well Mayweather was one I used to hate the hate the prickay just because he was so mouthy and whatnot. But if you actually just Take a moment, sit back and watch and look what you know what you're looking for. You're just like, man, he's the greatest of all time. Like, he's unbelievable. Even though he's got that mouth on him, he's just, you know, unbelievable. And um, that's what I loved about my boxing journey too. Like I said, go back to my first fight. It's just a pretty much street scrap. Just like the old windmills going around um, and just learning about boxing and the art of boxing and, and the science of boxing is, you know, that's what really keeps me going in the sport because I learn, and I keep learning new things every day um, about it and I'm just, you know, loving, you know, loving that sort of chess game of, of boxing. So I look at all boxers now and I, 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 you know, I've always got mad respect for anyone that gets into the ring, but, you know, those high, you know, high performance boxers, um, you know, you see them, Lomachenko, even though he's small. Tyson Fury, for a big man, he can move and dance. And um, and that's the problem with being a heavyweight because you're a heavyweight, but you think you can dance around like Lomachenko and Manny Pacquiao. But, you know, you look at someone like Tyson Fury and you're just like, whoa. Yeah. Uh, I, I look at him and go, geez, he's a big man like that's not supposed to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But he can. With, um, I know you're, pro- you're probably... Mid, are you mid training camp now? Are you? Yeah, halfway. What are we now? I think we're like four weeks out. So three more weeks of hard more training, and then. How do you feel the point you're at now in comparison to previous? Well, you've done martial arts before, bro, and um, fight camps. We get to this stage of fight camp, you're just like you're on the hurt locker, you're on the grind. You, you're not thinking of much. You're just putting your head down and busting your ass because there's one thing that I've learned about boxing is it's not a game. You don't. You don't mess around with it, you've got to put in the work and the effort because it's a dangerous sport. So, yeah, I'm just in that moment where I'm just in the hurt locker, bro. Just a lot of pre-workout, a lot of recovery drinks, bro, and 
sleep and then that's me train sleep train what's your go-to pre-workout at the moment what are you uh i think the boys gave me stimmax stimmax yeah and yeah, to be stuff. fair it's probably i know they say take one scoop but i've doubled up a couple of times <laughs> i don't blame you man don't blame you we can we can talk on uh offline a bit of endurance and what can help you as well um i do now i do bodybuilding so i'm a little bit a little bit yeah out, out of the yeah <laughs> it's not fun but i tried i tried i didn't try to be a bodybuilder but i tried to eat like a bodybuilder um might have been the start of this year actually and i lasted for two weeks like i love rice but i got sick of rice after like day three i was just like that's a lot of rice and chicken and i was just like can't do it sorry guys I got. I, I started uh, oh, ten years ago now, um, and I'm like, oh, geez, I can't believe I'm still doing it. <laughs> but yeah, you, you just get kind of stuck into it. Um, now we've got a segue to Strom and Stimmy Max, as you mentioned. Uh, how did that relationship start? Well, oh, actually, talking about pre-workout, I um, I was going to the gym because the the store is right next door to uh, Les Mills. It used to be called Cave. And I forgot my pre-workout at home. I was like, oh, damn. So I went in to go get a pre-workout and met Tom and Sean there. And then they just blew my mind just with the knowledge um, and their wisdom on on supplements. Like, I've been a professional athlete for 20 years by now. And, um, you know, I just know you take pre-workout, caffeine before your gym, take a protein shake after, and that was it. Um, and then they're like, nah, man, you got to – you don't even know anything. And I was like, far away. So I just, I literally went there every day and just sat there down and listened to the boys and just asked questions. And I was just like, what? So you're telling me if I do this, 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 this? And then I was just, yeah, I was just amazed by it. And then just from there, we had a real great relationship and gone from from now. No, that, that's awesome. I, that, that stuff, like I say to Tom all the time, it's so undervalued what he gives to his customers because you, you don't see it anywhere in the I messaged him the other day and I said, man, I'm flat out at work. I'm not sleeping. I'm, I'm really struggling. He goes, all right, we're going to get you on this and this and, you know, give it a go, see how you go, sends it my way. I'm like, yeah, nowhere else you're going <laughs> to have that interaction, right? Um, and you met him, what, a couple of years ago now, was that? Yeah, a couple of years ago, yeah. Just walked into the shop and pretty much the furniture there now. <laughs> yeah, pretty much man um and now you're part of the team how, how does that feel for you you know they reach out and said oh you know well yeah no, it's uh yeah it's, it's awesome i think they're the two great men and got really great values and i connect really well with them and like you said that tom you know you know you can feel his presence and his charisma with with other people and you're just like his values and his beliefs are like you know they're tying with mine and i've been lucky enough now for for me and tom we've been trying a few things too and like Tom's helping with like you know business things and that and trying to you know what's you know learn new something different and you know hopefully watch the space we'll see what happens see what happens eh um well look I won't hold you up too much longer man I will ask you what's next for you post this boxing fight like is there anything I know you said watch the space that is there anything people should look out for anything that they should be aware of or um sporting wise you won't be even, you won't be seeing me running on a footy field anymore <laughs> um unless it's a little local club game maybe but uh boxing yeah i just do it for fun but other than that yeah um full-time job next year nine to five um full-time job eh? full-time job nine to five so yeah just be living the real world now bro 
I'll watch the space. Eh? I watch the space. I want to. I want to figure out because I've got like a. Oh, I would. I don't know what it is, but I just love training and training real hard, and I'll wreck myself every time. And um, and that's obviously for a purpose because I've got a fight or had a game coming up. So with not having that anymore, I'm, I'm yeah wondering if I'll still go into the gym and wreck myself. Probably will. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, I shrink. I get a little smaller. <laughs> it becomes part of you, man. Like I think, um, once you have it, it's there, and you just find different outlets. And yours is now boxing, and uh, maybe something else down the line. Um, look, man, I'll, I'll pass over to you. Anything else you want to kind of cover? Any any messages you want to put out there, or um, anything from your side that you want to say? Nah, not really. I think just like especially with like the supplement side of things, just like getting the lots of anything though, getting the knowledge um, and asking questions about it has like really helped me have a better understanding and how I can get the best out of my body. Um, yeah, so they're really grateful for the boys down here in Hamilton with the strong boys. So um, yeah, the, the more you can knowledge uh, get more knowledge about it and ask questions, then you're only going to benefit yourself. So why? Yeah, look, we, we appreciate you and that's why we do this now and that's why they've got me kind of coming out and interviewing people and different people. Um, it's always good to get perspective. But um, look, man, it's been a pleasure for me. I, I don't want to hold up too much of your time today. No I think worries, um, you got a nice, nice story of you, but I'll end the recording now and then we can uh, say our goodbyes, bro. Awesome.